In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. In a not-so-subtle way, our lessons talk about blindness and sight. Asking the question, what does it mean to be blind? What does it mean to see? And how do we recognize blindness? The first lesson about King David. Now, King David, in terms of the Old Testament, is second only to Moses in terms of significance in the entire uh, Old Testament. And as a result, a lot of the scriptures were written around or edited around the time of King David and after. So he looms large in their, uh, in their consciousness. And the stories about King David are just elaborate, far more elaborate than the others, and full and rich. They come from different traditions and the editors wove them together. This story of David's call, or David's um, anointing as king, which is very different from the one that we're familiar with, the David and Goliath story, it shows two different stories about how David became king. This is, this is um, the less popular one. Where Samuel is called by God to go seek out someone he has identified to be king. Now, God has told Samuel very clearly, they have this big conversation very clearly, go to Bethlehem, find Jesse. It's one of Jesse's sons. Well, okay, why couldn't he just say, it's David? But no, he's got to have this beauty pageant of all of Jesse's remarkably handsome sons <laughs> walk by, and then no sooner does he say, but God doesn't see with the eyes of people. God sees in the heart. Then describes this beautiful, ruddy young man with beautiful, beautiful eyes <laughs> and handsome. I thought, okay. <laughs> but there he is. But most unexpected, at least culturally and societally, is that David is the youngest. Even when the beauty pageant of sons was going by, they didn't even consider him. He was out tending the sheep. The youngest was that insignificant that he wasn't even included. Well, in Scripture, whenever there's a younger child, watch out for that one. Sons and daughters. It's always the younger ones that defy expectation. And so is the case here. But there is that story again. God works through the unexpected. We're trained to see a certain outcome. We expect certain outcomes. We're conditioned to certain outcomes. And that creates a sense of blindness. Our vision is narrowed to our expectation. And time and again, Scripture tries to break us out of that, widen the view, and to say, don't be blinded by what you think is going to happen. Be opened to a possibility you could never otherwise have imagined. It's an invitation to be open to God's work beyond what we can imagine. In the New Testament lesson, 
in this exchange with the Pharisees and the, the man who was born blind, his parents come into play, the disciples, this whole drama about this stuff. It's also, there's no such thing as a gratuitous detail in the in scriptures. The method by which Jesus healed this man differs sharply from the other forms of healing that took place. In other healing stories, Jesus simply said with a word, be healed, and they were healed. Rise up and walk, and they rose up and walked. But this time, no. This one needed a little extra oomph. So he had to spit and make mud. Ew. But that's what he did. Saliva was believed to have medicinal properties. So it's not just out of the, out of the blue. It was, it was understood to have some medicinal qualities. So with the paste, with the mud, making a paste to go on the eyes. This is a whole different kind of healing process for this man and allowed him to see. Now one of the details that comes out of this too is that someone born blind isn't going to know how to distinguish shapes and colors into what we know as people, let alone find his way home. But we're supposed to work with the story in a different kind of way. What then proceeds is a whole series of misunderstandings about the word blind, referring to levels of understanding. How can you be blind? Taking the physical blindness and using it as a way to reflect on spiritual, emotional blindness. The Pharisees, trained to see faith in a certain way, trained to expect God in a certain way, didn't understand how Jesus would work, didn't understand why Jesus would do this on the Sabbath day, breaking all the rules. They saw this in that narrow way. Even his parents, the young man's parents, they didn't want to get involved. They threw him under the bus, too. He can speak for himself. Their blindness was fear. The fear of being thrown out of the synagogue. The blindness of the Pharisees had to do with their sense of expectation of what the Messiah was and what tradition was. The blindness of the disciples. They kept waiting for Jesus to demonstrate his being Messiah in a warrior type of way. Their blindness was ambition, and their blindness was based on a different set of expectations, waiting. Each one able to see the blindness of the other. Everyone could see the blindness of the young man, born blind. The disciples were able to see the blindness of the Pharisees. The parents were able to see the blindness of the young man, and the disciples and the Pharisees were able to see the blindness of the parents. We, the readers, are we able to see the blindness of all of them, but not our own? The whole point of the lesson, the scripture lesson here, is not for the young man, not for the parents, not for the Pharisees or the disciples. The point of the scripture is for us to look at our own blindness. What blinds us? That's a self-reflective question. More often than not, what blinds us is fear. I've heard fear broken down into two categories, which I like, and I'll share them with you. The first category for fear is afraid of losing something we have. The other is we're afraid we won't get what we want. 
Those two sources of fear drive us far more than we know. And they create a sense of blindness, born of fear, born of a desire that we don't even understand. When our view becomes so narrow, a tunnel vision, I mean, to play with this metaphor of sight, when our lives become tunnel vision, we are no longer open to the wonder of God around us. The invitation by God to enter into our lives and to heal our own blindness is a way of opening our vision, not our physical vision, but the vision of the heart, the vision of the spirit and mind. In the chaotic weeks that have just happened, it is more than, we're all more than capable of seeing the blindness of our leadership. We recognize their blindness, we point to it, editorials are written about it, and people fight about it. We can often see the blindness in our families, the people with whom we argue. We see their blindness. When we begin to see our own blindness, that's when healing occurs. When we test our own assumptions, when we double-check our facts and information, but when we speak with the language of love, that's when the blindness truly begins to heal. The word that I think hinges all of this stuff is in the Gospel lesson when Jesus, after putting the paste on the young man's eyes, he tells him to go down to the pool of Siloam. And again, there's no gratuitous detail because they put in parentheses Siloam, which means sent. In the language of story, the use of puns, sent means when we get out of our own desires and we are sent to witness to others, it opens us up. Go to the pool called sent. Jesus sent him to be sent, to witness, to talk about what God has done for him, how God has opened his eyes, allowed him to see. We are called and we are sent to witness to God's love and God's wonder in whatever way is appropriate. But in order to do that, we have to look at our own blindness and see how have we been healed. How did I look at something before, and how did that opinion change into something new? We often prejudge people. And as we get to know them, our understanding changes and our blindness is healed into an open understanding. With things with situations, with people. God calls us to be sent. Lent, again, the theme of Lent is self-reflection. And to spend some time and think about how have I been blinded by fear, by expectation, by tradition, by what I want? How have I been blinded? 
and then to sit and to think how we can be open to God's grace and God's healing. It's a wonderful exercise. You may be surprised. As youngest sons, I keep thinking about David. He was out there minding his own business in the field, had no idea what the day was going to bring. Dear diary, what a day it was today. <laughs> so when, when your Samuel comes to visit, don't be surprised. Be open. Things change and happen. Amen.